Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello to our listeners. It's exciting to have you join our journey. Eight Women brings you stories of diasporic women who change narratives. Like our guest today, founder and executive chairman of ClassPass and artistic director of the Saar Dance Company, Payal Kadakia. Many listeners will relate to the story of immigrant children focusing on good grades and a conventional career. Payal did that. After a degree from MIT, she worked as a consultant at Bain & Company and later joined Warner Music Group's digital strategy and business development team. But young Payal's mother instilled a habit in her three-year-old daughter that she never gave up. Dance. Payal's passion was nurtured in a basement in Randolph, New Jersey by her mom's friend. Fun fact, her dance teacher happens to be my mom's sister, my Masi. In fact, I first met Payal at age four when she performed at my sister-in-law's wedding. At MIT, Payal started a Bollywood dance troupe and then fast forward to her days in corporate America where Payal continued her pursuit of dance. She eventually birthed ClassPass, a combination of her passion for dance, entrepreneurship and making the world a fitter place which just got a billion dollar valuation. A side note, we recorded the interview during the height of the pandemic and have retained Payal's insights. Since this podcast, Payal not only sold ClassPass, but has also written a book, LifePass. Let's listen as Payal elaborates on how she shimmied her way to success. Hi, Payal. Hi, Monica. What are your early memories about dance? And despite a punishing academic schedule, what about dance kept pulling you back? The reason I always kept dancing really comes down to three different parts of my childhood. The first one was I was able to train with my Ushanti, Yermasi, since I was really young. And the group classes I had with her, yes, they taught me about the women and where I had come from, but they also gave me a sense of community. I grew up in a town where there were no Indian people, but when I got to go to practice in these basements with 10 other little girls, we were all Indian. It made me feel like I belonged somewhere. I could relate to where I had come from. I felt like Ushanti was teaching me the heritage of the women who came before me. I didn't always appreciate it when I was younger. I probably wanted to do more of the Bollywood dances. But now as I'm older, what she gave me and the knowledge of the beauty, the rigor, the sense of duty that being an Indian woman really comes with, I think that really came from part of what she was teaching us when we were showing up to dance every day. So that was sort of the first core part of it. The other two parts, one, Bollywood dancing. I think I also fell in love watching these beautiful Indian women like Madhuri Dixit and Sri Devi on screen. I know it's really strange to say, but like they were my role models when I was younger. I think like I didn't see beautiful 
Indian women around me on screen. But when I watched these movies, it was like this woman who was exuding being sensual, but also being powerful, just this quintessential woman that I thought was so beautiful. I wanted to emulate her. So I would spend hours in my bedroom just trying to dance like them, listen to the songs on repeat. The last part was the celebrations and Indian festivals we had, in particular Navratri, for me was something I looked forward to every single year. I was at home and I was around people and music and our ethnic wear that I loved. I felt like that's where I belonged. And those moments were really, really important times in my childhood. You had these two identities, your Indian cultural heritage identity that dance fulfilled, and then you probably had an American identity in school. How did you juggle the two? I cheerleaded American football for 10 years. I absolutely had my American identity too. One of my fondest memories is actually always the football season and Navratri season overlapped every year. I would go to my cheerleading games and I was like captain of my varsity cheerleading squad. And then I would go into my car and I would put my chanyantoli on like sitting in the backseat of my car. And then it was another whole person. So I definitely had this dual identity to go even further into it. When I was younger, like I actually did face a lot of racism and I didn't always belong. I got made fun of for being Indian in my town and I wish I didn't have to, but I felt like I've separated the two. Like it was very clear to me, this was my American identity and this was my Indian identity. There was a moment, I think it was a dance that Ushanti taught me. I remember I tried to do it in a talent show in my school and I got booed off the stage. It was something that people weren't ready to understand. And that was really hard for me. I didn't want to go to school. I felt like I was different. I really had to find a way to share with people in hindsight, the beauty of where I had come from. And that actually was a really big part of why I created Saw. I felt like I could get other people to understand where I came from through dance. The other big thing is, I think once you go through experiences like that in your life, you kind of develop an armor. I had to, when I was six years old, find a way to fit in and find a way to celebrate where I'd come from and find that strength. And I think once I had found that, I decided to kind of go the other extreme and really celebrate my uniqueness. Was there anybody who helped you handle the bullying and then make you overcome it and then finally fit into school? It took me till I got to college for the two identities to come together. All my high school years, they were pretty separate. Kyle nominated for Homecoming Queen, but then Kyle going to Garba. They were very different communities, very different people. When I got to college, it was interesting because that identity sort of stopped. We had a culture show on campus every year. And I remember like my whole entire university would show up for this show. I took the lead and I decided to choreograph our freshman dance. I'm four foot 11. I'm petite. It helped me become a leader. It helped me become the entrepreneur I am. And so taking lead in situations like this where I'm choreographing like 40 people on stage were really important moments towards my identity. This was a time in my life where I was still a little skeptical on both my identities. But what was really nice is we performed and I mean, the whole school loved it. And instead of being booed off the stage this time, I felt like it was something that was celebrated. I felt comfortable being the authentic me, Indian American pile every single day. Dance is my kryptonite in a way. When I got to perform, all these definitions, all these sense of this is who you are, this is not who you are, just completely melted away and I got to be me. 
Once I found that, I just wanted to dance through life, and I held on to that. You picked MIT. Was that your choice, or was that to please your parents? It's something that's really interesting. I consider myself creative as well as somebody who loves math and science. I was the first woman in my high school to win the math award. I wrote my MIT essay on a how my life revolved around the number two, but the other one that I wrote was how dance was all geometry to me, especially the way Ushanti taught me with beautiful formations and the way people are on stage. It was just so geometric. I found this beautiful parallel to it. I always really had a knack for math and science. It was definitely my strength, so it was my choice to go there. Of course, getting a good education was important to my parents, as you mentioned. Being the child of immigrant parents comes with this sense of duty. I wanted to make them proud, and I wanted to make sure that their sacrifice meant something. I took that seriously. Education was paramount throughout my childhood. One of the things that I remember even doing at MIT was, if I get good grades, I'm allowed to dance. It was this interesting parallel, like if-then statement. A carrot you were dangling for yourself. Exactly, because it was so important to me to be able to do something I loved. So it motivated me to make sure that you know I was being responsible as well as chasing my dream at the same time. It has made me practical, but also able to soar. I keep my feet somewhere solid. I'm not just floating around. Knowledge and education is something that has definitely brought me where I am in my life. And I don't regret that at all. My parents taught me that and they gave me that great foundation. They are a huge reason why me and my sister are who we are today. I have seen some of your performances. I've seen your formations and I just have my mouth open because you sweep in and out. So I can see what you mean when you say geometry and dance. I'm curious about your admission essay and your dual identity with the number two. Can you explain that? It was my lucky number. My birthday is February 2nd, so that's 2-2. And then I had the dual identity, as you mentioned. And then my screen name at the time was Pile 222. I'm the second child. Whenever we would perform, I remember I was like, can we perform second? I wrote my entire college essay on how my life revolved around the number two. And then this is like the craziest thing. I wrote my MIT essay, obviously, a long time ago. The day I met my husband was also February 2nd. And then when I found out I was pregnant, the due date of my baby was also February 2nd. It's been a really interesting number in my life. What made you audition for So You Think You Can Dance? And what happened there to make you pivot from your corporate career? Oh my God, so many things happened in the way. First, I got a job at a great consulting firm, Bain & Company. It was obviously a highly coveted job when I was graduating from MIT. When I came to New York, obviously the first thing I did was Google where I was going to dance. I luckily found a local dance troupe that was doing Bollywood dancing, and it happened to be five minutes away from my apartment. I started dancing pretty regularly on the weekends in New York City. There was a part of me that wanted to dance more. I had no free time. I had this really busy job and it required some traveling. The people who were my peers in the consulting job were putting 100% of their life into this. And I had this thing that I really loved and I thought I was really good at. I felt like I had something to really give in dance. I just didn't know what that was. After three years at Bain, most people in my class went to business school. I decided that I would find a corporate job that was a bit more predictable than my Bain consulting hours. So I knew at five o'clock I could leave the office and go to my ballet class and then go to SA practice and all of that. That's sort of how SA started. Literally, 
two months after starting my new job at Warner Music Group, which gave me freedom to spend my free hours the way I wanted to, I started getting together incredible dancers I had known and said, why don't we just get rehearsal space and start practicing together? Sa comes from the Indian octave. In America, we have Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La. In India, we have Sa, Re, Ga, Ma. It's the first and the last note of the octave. I love just being Sa. I love saying it that way. When it started, it was just friends getting together. I just started choreographing. I had a job every day, which was nice. My parents sacrificed so much. I wanted to make sure I could pay the bills. I worked for six years before I quit my job to start my company. I saved money to make sure that I had a plan right in place and that I had the freedom to take this big leap when it came. I didn't know what I was saving up my money for at the time, but I knew I wanted to do something bigger in my life. In those three years when I was at Warner, I was really building my entrepreneurial skills when I was starting SAW from, you know, needing to learn how to put on a show and do marketing for it, finding people and building a team. I did this huge show at Alvin Ailey probably in 2010. We had over a thousand people come. It was a massive feat. This was my side hustle at the point. I still had another job and people showed up. All the shows were sold out. I think that really got me to a point in my life where I realized if I put my mind to something, I can truly do it. Building that confidence little by little was really helpful to me before I took that big leap in my life to start Class Fest. Whatever happened at the audition, did you make it through? No, I didn't. It's fine. I did Indian dance. Like I wasn't trained in ballet. I mean, that's the whole other thing. Class Pass at the start of 2020 became a unicorn with a billion dollar valuation. That's an awesome accomplishment. But can you elaborate on Class Pass, the highs and the lows, how it became what it is today? Absolutely. What's crazy is I literally quit my job to start this company 10 years ago. It's been a decade in the making. I think it's really important to know that because things like this aren't created overnight. There's a lot of hard days, sweat that goes into all these things. From day one, I was very committed to this concept of helping people find their passion, right? Just going back to the conversation we were having. I think I had always felt so lucky and blessed that I had found something when I was so young that made me feel that joy and connection and confidence in my life. I truly wanted everyone to have something like that. When we got older, people started hoping for a promotion, get married, have kids. Those are wonderful achievements. But I think what people stopped talking about was when you're kids and you're taught to play and you're an athlete and you're an artist, you're being active all the time. Those things go out the door and no one celebrates. And here I was, this girl who was still dancing at Bain. I would invite my entire office to my dance performances. I had to sacrifice to make that happen. I think people don't realize this part. I didn't go out. I was working and my weekends, I would wake up early. I went to dance rehearsal. I had performances. I didn't travel. I didn't go to brunch. I barely had time to go to my friend's weddings. These moments of wanting to create things in your life come with sacrifice. I don't think you can really say, okay, I'm just going to have it all and make it work. I knew I was going to have to sacrifice, but I believed the sacrifice was worth it. I just think that's a really important point for people to realize. You know, it took me a really long time before I was like, I really have to prioritize my own personal life or I'm never going to have it. I started ClassPass in 2011, really because I went online and I was looking for another ballet class to take and I couldn't find it. And I realized on top of social stigmas of what progress in life meant, 
there was a massive technological problem in just being able to find these classes. The information wasn't readily available. The booking process was not convenient. All that friction was standing in the way of so many people being able to live their greatest life, find their magic, stay connected to the thing that made them tick. I even know people like me who loved dance when they were younger, but they fell out of it, right? It wasn't about dance. It was about everyone finding whatever their dance was. That mission kept me motivated these 10 years. That why and having such a strong, deep backing to it is what makes a company successful and really be able to last through time. You can't do it for money. You can't do it for fame. You can't do it for power. You have to do it because there is a deep meaning behind it. So whenever people always ask me, why did you start the company? This concept really started fueling in me since I was three years old. It was from such a youthful moment where I found this magic. I felt it was my service to give this to other people. And that's how I showed up to work every day. That's how I really wanted to operate. Of course, all these things aren't easy. Getting money, building a team building a product. Our product didn't work many of the times and I had to restart. But I think when you have such a beautiful North Star that you're running towards, you don't get caught up in those down moments because you know why you're living. You know why there's another day. You know why there's a reason to keep spending that dollar in the correct way and making a hard decision. That's really gotten us through every hard moment in this 10-year journey, including COVID. I love dance and I've always danced. I've done Bharatanatyam and Manipuri, but I never had the courage to say dance will be my life. So it took courage to do what you did. Could you do it alone? How was your family support? Did they encourage you to give up your corporate career and get into dance? I think you're right in saying that it is really hard. I still struggle with that idea of dance being such an important part of my life. My parents didn't really ever tell me not to dance. It's just a matter of this expectation of, achieving something else and making sure you have a secure career and making sure you have money, all these things, like I said, that they sacrificed their lives for. I think it's a sense of duty that I feel. And I would never want them to think I was wasting it away in any way. That being said, India is full of such beautiful ancient art. And I think the world still needs to be exposed to that because there is so much knowledge in the art itself, whether it's the music, the dance, the poetry, there's just so much. We can't even go into how deep that is, right? Where I think the magic really happened for me and my parents too, is I shared everything about Saw with them, every success. And of course, I was lucky I had Ushanti in my life, who is like a second mom, who obviously very much loved dance as well. There were moments where my dad was like, why are you not studying hard enough for the GMATs and going to business school? There was definitely a little bit of tension, especially when they knew I was dancing as much as I was during the Warner Music Group times. I was making income, but ultimately they saw the joy and the happiness it gave me. And they saw the impact. My dad came to our first show and everyone, you know, gave us a standing ovation at the end. It was just this beautiful experience of art and dance and community all in one. He called me the next day and he was like, Pyle, I started looking up arts programs at Columbia. It was this interesting way for my dad to say, I understand that you actually are an artist and have this creative side to you, but education is still important. This other huge moment in my life was we got into this big Indian dance festival in the middle of Manhattan. It's the Erasing Borders Festival of Indian Dance that the Indo-American Arts Council puts up. And Sa did a garbo at this event in 2009. I was still working and I don't even think Sa had a website at the time. This was in the first year of our birth. 
And we ended up on the cover of the art section of the New York Times. This huge photo of us took up half the page. And my heart completely fell. This was a few months after that conversation we had had about Columbia and I was studying for the GMATs. But that day, I just felt like it was a sign from the universe. I took my GMAT books and I just put them away. And I was like, this is the world telling me I am on the right path towards something. I didn't know exactly what it was, but it gave me this freedom to dream. All these moments together were what gave my parents the confidence. My mom was the one who ultimately told me to quit my job. She wanted to give me the freedom to just live my life the way I wanted to. I think they were coming along on the journey. I built their confidence up with me and they knew I was going to always be responsible. With every show I did, like I had a budget and I would go through it with my dad. I was very rational, even though I was taking these huge leaps in my life. The original question you asked is actually one that's really important. There's a lot of stigma around dance in our community. There is not enough opportunity out there and representation of South Asian arts around the world. So I want little girls and their moms to be like, there is an outlet for this. There's the opportunity for this. Because without the opportunity, it starts just feeling like something to do on the side. This is the same file who got booed off the stage because nobody really understood your Indian roots. Now, South Asian food, music, dance, it's getting more integrated into mainstream USA. How do you envision your role in facilitating this? People are always like, oh my God, you did this as a woman. But even more so for me, I did this as an Indian woman. I really identify with my Indian side. And I think that's because I was around such incredible Indian women. Like my mom, Ushanti, they wake up every day with this beautiful sense of purpose and duty. No matter what, no matter how my mom is feeling, she will cook dinner, right? And she will make sure my dad is fed. She will make sure the house is clean. It's that. It's the sense of duty and purpose. And I truly believe that if my mom was given the same circumstances, she would be able to do the same exact thing. And I think it's a matter of having that deep sense of duty and purpose that is instinctual to Indian women. And I think this ties back not just to my mom, but it's my mom's mom. It goes back down through the lineage of how we were raised. And I truly believe my success comes from all those women that were before me. Mira Nair asked you to choreograph her Broadway adaptation of Monsoon Wedding. How was it working with her? Mira and I have had a beautiful relationship since we met. What's so memorable to me about that relationship is during my early days, she saw Saw perform at a gala in New York City. Right after we performed, someone came up to me like, Mira wants to meet you. And she wrote me an email the next day. The subject of her email was your exquisite work. To have someone like her say that is just so magical. Since then, we built a really good relationship. If she ever needed help, I would always be there. I was choreographing a lot of her music and performances for Monsoon Wedding when she would have events. It was such an honor. I got to go to India. They were working on a workshop, just doing another iteration of the show. It was a delight to put the magic of what her vision was from the film on stage. Everybody loves a romance. How did you meet your husband? And what about Sikh culture resonates with you? This is such a beautiful question. I met my husband on my birthday. I went to a Super Bowl party and during halftime, he walked in the door and our eyes met. I remember feeling like I've known this person for eternity. We just sort of started messaging each other. And I think we just very quickly felt like we had known each other our whole lives. And we 
we were meant to go on this journey of life together. It was really interesting. We both have a very deep connection to our roots. My husband is Sikh. He wears a turban. I think for me, it's my Indian dance. Just the fact that we have this traditional side to us, even though we're living in this modern world, really connected us from the beginning. Whose hair is longer? <laughs> Good question. Um, I think my hair is longer than his. Actually, my son's hair, and he's not even a year old, is so long. <laughs> so he's going to wear a turban too. Absolutely. It's going to be raised. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just are there. When did you meet your husband? The idea of marriage was something that was a hot topic in my family and in my life growing up. And it definitely was a hard time because I think my parents saw me succeed. I was building class pass. I met him in the middle of the journey. I was ending up on like Forbes and my dad was like, but you have to get married. There was this tension always around that. It was hard for me to navigate. I didn't have many South Asian women to look up to or talk to about that. So it did feel lonely at times. I kind of was like, this is one of the sacrifices I'm making. It's not that I didn't date. I just didn't have time for it. I had a baby in my life, which was my company. It needed all my attention. My parents would bring it up a lot. At some point, I was just like, I don't want to talk about it. I think I developed some tactics. Every time my mom would talk about it, I'd be like, Mom, I got to go. Because I get that it was top of mind for her, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted to talk about. There is a very interesting thing for Indian women. When you're younger, everyone's like, be smart, be successful. But then like you turn 22 and everyone's like, oh, so you got to get married. I think those were some of the hardest years for me personally. I knew I was achieving so much, right? But I was failing in this other way in life. I didn't love that construct. I didn't love that I felt like I was disappointing my parents in any way. That was probably the hardest part of it. But at some point, I realized I needed to live my life. I needed to find the partner and the family that was going to work for me. And if that was going to happen later in my life, then that was going to happen later. But to have faith in the fact that I was going to find love. And I don't think I ever thought that I wasn't going to find it. I just didn't think it was the most important thing in the world at the time. You know, that was really what it came down to. And I had something really important in my life that needed my attention. My sister got married really young. She was like in her mid-20s and I got married in my early 30s. I told my parents, don't you just realize I'm going to do everything on my own timeline. I always do it. It's going to be done my way. And I'd rather do it that way. And I think that also taught me a lot about all the goals and achievements in my life. About a month before I met my husband, my health was poor. I wasn't dancing. I was single. But ClassPass actually was at the brink of this beautiful moment. I knew we had figured it out and I knew we were about to go viral. Like it had worked in New York City. I felt so confident in what I had achieved work. 
but I remember looking at my life. It was Christmas and I think I was spending it by myself and I was so sad. I was like, this is not what I want. I don't want the next 10 years to go by with this feeling. I do this whole goal setting process in my life and I wrote down these beautiful goals of what I wanted to achieve that year. Luckily, I met Nick that year. Class Bass grew. I did this huge dance show at Alvin Ailey. When I put my mind to doing something, I do it. I realized I needed to do that in my personal life. It's about setting the right intentional goal based on how you feel at the moment and making sure you focus on it. I don't believe you can do everything at the same time, but I believe you can pick and choose and prioritize what's important to you and make an impact. And now you have another baby. Yes, I do. A real one. <laughs> How soon before you put gungros on his ankles? Oh my God. It was so sweet. I was actually in practice today and he loves my gungros. <laughs> he came and he was shaking them. He has amazing rhythm. I mean, I was doing tatak while he was in my belly and it's really amazing because he plays with his tabla all day long. He can hold the tal so well. It's actually really incredible to watch. And, you know, he's allowed to be whoever he wants to be. I want to just immerse him in culture and art and allow him to have the knowledge of where he came from. I'm sure Nick is supportive. How creative or artistic is he or are you completely different? And so that's how it works. Nick is a lawyer and he's a much better writer than I am. He thinks in words. I probably think in dance and numbers a little bit. <laughs> I believe everyone is truly creative. It's about how much you work that muscle. Nick's creativity is actually in his writing and in his communication. To me, it's movement. Have your childhood experiences impacted you as a mother? I feel like I'm too early on in my motherhood journey, but my mom fought and wanted to give us everything she could and never make us feel like there was anything that we couldn't do. I want Zane to feel like he can accomplish anything in his life. That's really all I want to instill in him, is a sense of confidence and a sense of live your life as fully as possible. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And is a degree in astrophysics going to be a part of that? <laughs> um, I love astrophysics. And if I have time, maybe I'll go back to college. I'm very fluid with my life. I let the experiences of today guide me into where I want to go. I think a big part of what I want to continue to do is share dance and Indian culture together to the world. I wouldn't be surprised if I kept doing more in that realm, let that have a bit more attention in my life. It's hard to say exactly where I'll be. As I was building ClassPass over the past few years, it's gotten much harder to dance. I think the blessing of even COVID has been for me to get back into having that time to train and keep dancing my life in that those extra hours uh, where I'm not traveling and moving around all the time. So yeah, I, I think it's probably something within dance and the arts and, and culture. I'm going to let myself continue to dream. And if I have something I really want to do, I don't think anything's going to hold me back from doing it. You started the year of COVID with being a unicorn. I like how you said the blessing of COVID because so many people look back and think negatively about it, but so many positives have come out of it. Ake Women is about creating a community. You've talked about how pivotal community was in your life. How are you taking that concept forward with ClassPass? ClassPass is all about people coming together, people who share a commonality of passion, of wanting to improve themselves, either emotionally, mentally, physically, all in one place. You meet strangers in ClassPass. Obviously, COVID has been a really hard time for our businesses, but we're excited that on the other side of all this, that people will be able to share in experiences with one another again and 
even though you don't know someone when you're in class and you're going through something hard, it's the energy of the collective that keeps you going. You've talked about the fact that you have a mentor in your life who's guided you, your Usha auntie. So I'd like to bring her into this conversation. Is she there? Usha auntie, you're here? <gasps> oh my God, I can't believe you're here. Hey, Payal. Hi, Usha auntie. This is such an amazing surprise. I am the woman I am so much because of this woman right here. So everything I can say, I credit it so much to Ushanti because even till this day, she pushes me to grow, to be stronger, to continue to dream. I hope everyone has an Ushanti in their life. Absolutely. Let me introduce her. Usha Patel, who is my Masi, has a master's in finance and a diploma in Bharatanatyam and Kathak. She began teaching dance after moving to the U.S. in 1971. Her students performed and participated in many dance competitions. I know and you've heard from Payal, she continues to be an active participant in Payal's journey. So Payal, what has she said or done to actually influence you? When I was younger, I always have Ushanti's voice in my head saying, you have to snap right and clap right <laughs> and do all your steps right. <laughs> But outside of that, she always was, you're going to be valedictorian and get a good job and never stop dancing. Those were sort of words that were from Ushanti. It's so important in this day and age, especially if you have a passion in your life, education really will get you much further. She always made sure that I went for everything I could and that I was the best in it. She pushed me to always dream bigger, to take the extra step, to make something better than it was before, even though it might be a little hard. It's very easy to get comfortable. I struggle with using the word perfection because there's a lot of stigma around that word. So I don't want to say it's about being perfect, but I think it's about being the best you can be. She really always pushed me to do that, even though it might have been hard. She's my role model too. Like I look up to her and she's played a huge part in my life as a mentor, but she's really hard. We fight with each other because she expects you to perform to a certain level and rise to a certain standard. So I want to ask you, Payal has achieved so many landmarks. What do you still want to see Payal achieve? I think Payal can do much more. She is disciplined. She is hardworking. Payal, dream big and keep dancing. Spread our Indian culture, our dancing. Payal and I do talk about doing a big show. And also, I want her to go higher up somewhere in Washington, D.C. Payal, you are capable. <laughs> I think Ushadi wants me to run for president. <laughs> <laughs> Having Kamala Harris there breaking barriers now, you never know, Payal. How has your mentor-mentee relationship evolved? Obviously, when I was younger, she was a teacher. There's a part of me that's still scared of her. <laughs> I actually really believe in the relationship of a Guruji and their student. And it's not about being scared. I am just so grateful for the fact that she shared all this knowledge with me. She didn't teach me how to dance. She taught me how to live. She has very high expectations. And honestly, I feel bad for people who work with me because I do the same thing to them. I just expect this. If you're not going to give me that, forget it. It's like having a high bar of expectations because that's what I know I commit to. When I say yes to something, I'm going to give that. Ushanti taught me that that was okay to have, to have that expectation of myself and to have that expectation of other people. She has taught me there's no constraints to anything. 
that mentality pushed me to becoming the entrepreneur I am today, to having to manage so many challenges and obstacles. Even though it all started with dance class, it was much more than getting a step. It was about breaking through something I couldn't do. That was, you know, our relationship then. Now, Ushanti and I, we talk, we dream together. I don't expect Ushanti to say, oh my God, you did so great. I expect her to say the thing that no one else is going to tell me. Because everyone else is going to be like, oh, you've done so much in your life. You can do this. And I appreciate that. But I never want to stop growing. I never want to stop becoming better. And even as a dancer, I'll send her videos. And Ushanti's not going to be like, oh, that was beautiful. She's going to be like, I think you can do it this way. I want that. I'm sending it to her because I want her to give me something thoughtful to say back. She's going to have the criticism that comes from the right place where I'm going to listen to it and correct it. She's not just saying something to me because she feels like she should. She's truthfully coming from a very intelligent, informed place on top of giving me the right feedback I need. Pail, I need to take a page out of your book because if I've done something which everybody has praised, Usha Masi will look at it and find something to criticize. Usha Masi, what do you view your relationship with Pail now? She was your student. She's achieved far beyond what you probably expected when she came to you as a four-year-old. Pail is like a daughter to me. And then she's a superb choreographer, entrepreneur. She's gone above and beyond my dreams. I'm very, very proud of Priyal. How many students think about their dance teacher or their music teacher or their art teacher? Priyal always kept in touch with me. I am so humbled for that. I really want to thank Priyal for continuing my dream. Then Priyal, keep up dancing, dream big. I did expect my dance students to be disciplined, come on time, live on time, practice at home, remember your steps, and synchronize everything. All the choreography, how to come in, go out, triangles, straight line, diagonal line. All this helps them in building their life in their regular career. I think that's very important. Absolutely. I mean, you taught us to show up with our full self every day. And that's not something you're taught in school. You taught us to come to class and, like you said, be on time, be ready, hair up, whatever it is. Those things make a difference in your life. I've learned to show up to everything in my life that prepared. I was doing this as a volunteer. I wanted Indian dancing to be spread. I wanted to teach them authentic Indian dancing. It wasn't like they were paying, but... I don't remember anybody missing my class. They were always there. They were always dancing. They won prizes. They might have been a little scared, but I think it was worth it. As a child with Usha Masi, you were performing and winning competitions. And now, as a grown-up, you are performing. You must have faced so many challenges to put up a show. How do you see that it's different now? To put up a show is not an easy job, even then and even now. My passion for dancing will never go away. But it is different because, of course, I was working full-time and raising the family and doing this volunteer job. Somehow I managed. Pyle goes through a lot while performing also. Let me tell a story about Ushanti. Because you were talking about our relationship. We obviously stayed in each other's lives. Two weeks before a dance show, 
Ushanti would come into New York City every single night to help me because she was basically the only other person I trusted. I had to focus on performing. She would become my eyes and ears. I would see Ushanti those two weeks. It would be very intense. The show would happen. And then we wouldn't even talk. When there was a dance show, I knew she would show up. This is also a very big thing I learned in my life. Whether it was my mom, my dad, Ushanti, they knew I wanted to dance and they always helped to make it happen. This is a really important thing when I even think of my entrepreneurial journey. I had a dream and never once thought people weren't going to help me create it. Ushanti, my mom, my dad, they showed up because they knew I was dancing out of something so pure. When you feel like someone's doing it because they want to be rich, famous, it's different, right? Like it's like this ulterior motive. The same way Ushanti volunteered to do this. She knew I was doing this out of this pure sense of wanting to share something. There's just something so beautiful about knowing if I have a dance show, Ushanti is going to be there. There is no question in my mind at any point in my life. I would change the show if Ushanti couldn't be there. I don't think you've ever missed a performance of mine now that I think about it. She came to every MIT performance. She has always been there for me. And I think when you can find people like that in your life. I think for anyone, if you have a coach or teacher, it's not always just your parents. People always ask me, how do you find mentors and advisors? It's not about just looking out there and being like, oh, this person has an amazing background. It's about finding people who truly understand you and are willing to show up, especially when it's hard. My question was slightly different in that I was also trying to talk about the infrastructure of putting on a dance performance when you were a kid, you probably needed to stitch everybody's costume. We still do that. When they were young and when we had to perform, first we used to collect money from parents and make sure that we have done the costumes. We will go to New York City and buy material and then go to the tailor and get it stitched. We weren't getting rented clothes and costumes at that time. But now we can rent, get it ordered. That's one big change from before to now. I do vaguely remember, though, in the last show, Ushanti and my mom and my costume designer, Shishmita, stayed up till three, four in the morning to finish stitching our costumes. So it still happens. They still show up to do it. That's what our culture is. It's community. That part to me isn't changed. It's probably easier to get costumes or even maybe with music and things like that. But to maintain the authenticity, it still requires a little bit of that true touch of the hand or touch of the ear. We listen to music together all the time. There is a beautiful connection. I trust her opinion to know, is this real or is it fake? I wasn't born in India. I'm creating this art based on my perception of it and based on these stories she's thankfully told me. I think about that a lot as well as making sure that I'm staying true to where this all came from. Is there anybody who you are mentoring now, like a paid forward? I have the dance company. So many of those girls are like my students. We have a very similar relationship. Whenever they have problems, I feel like I'm teaching them also a way to feel confident in everything they do and to show up. I feel like that's a big part of it. I'm also in the midst of writing a book. So I hope a lot of this comes out in that through my own journey. I have learned from my mistakes, but also the celebrations along the way. The best way I can mentor is by living my life as authentically as I can so other people feel the freedom to do that in their own life. That's so amazing. And we have to thank your mentor for it. Thank you so much, Usha Patel, for giving us Payal Kadakia. 
file. Here's a fun rapid fire round for you. Left brain or right? Both. Class pass or saw? That's too hard. I'll pass. Ghagras or trousers? Ghagras. Gungroos or weights? Gungroos. New York or LA? LA. Favorite Bollywood song? Current? Subahone Nade. It always makes me want to party. Favorite Bollywood actress? Madhuri Dixit. Favorite cuisine? Mexican food. Do you like cooking or cleaning? Neither. Priyanka Chopra or Meera Nair? Both. They're both such incredible, inspiring women. Payal Kardakya, thank you so much for this enriching discussion. Your story is such an inspiration to young girls and to South Asians. On behalf of my colleague, Medha Jai Shankar, we are grateful for your time and support of Ake Women. To all our listeners, you can follow us on our social media handles for this and previous episodes. And do look out for our next podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone.